And we're back for another episode of the Replacement Level Podcast. We're back with Chris Phillips. Again, just to reintroduce him, he will be our third our third member of this podcast. We're still waiting to hear back from Matt, but as of now, it will just be Matt here. But uh, Chris, nice to have you again, as always. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Okay, so with Chris here, as we know, one of the biggest Mariners fans out there, but not much updates for the Mariners. They haven't done much, but it's time. We're going to take a bit of a different approach today. We're going to head into those Hall of Fame ballots, and we're going to take a deep dive into those Rookie of the Years for each team. We're going to break down, and we're going to pick one rookie who stood out from each organization, but... I kind of want, wanted to speculate on a few things. One thing in specific, last night, a late night move by the Milwaukee Brewers and the Los Angeles Anaheim Angels. The Brewers acquired Jansen Junk, Elvis Peguero, and left-hander Adam Seminaris in exchange for the one and only Hunter Renfro. So I think from the vantage point of the angels i definitely think that was a beneficial trade for them i do think that they needed that outfield support now their outfield is completely locked and now they have otani when he's not pitching when he's in the field now it could this outfield could potentially be trout renfro otani and slash taylor ward and if ward starts hitting then this lineup is looking quite looking like quite a threat but I think from the perspective of the Brewers this is kind of a questionable trade I think there is definitely some concern there I'm not sure why that trade was conducted they didn't really get much out of it they got Jansen Junk who is a guy who came in to 2022 through one, two, three starts kind of got eaten up. His first start was a little promise was quite promising. But after that, he ended up with a 6.48 ERA through three starts, not three starts, eight, one, eight point eight in the third inning. So about a start and a bit, but overall, I think it was just a concerning move from the Angels committee over there, and they did get Peguero. He might not even make the 40-minute roster, and if he does, he's a 6'5 right-hander. Had a six-point. He's only in the second year as a reliever. Had a 6.75 ERA through 17 innings in L.A., but definitely, I think the Angels definitely won this, this trade. Chris, I want to hear your your side of this trade if maybe you see uh, anything, so maybe obviously you know being a Mariners fan we see the angels a lot trade. they're obviously a division opponent uh in this past season they decided they thought it'd be a good idea to fight with jesse winker as well which wasn't a great idea but regardless the the angels um you know the angels are a team that is really dependent upon its two stars in mike trout and shohi atani um Anthony Rendon, since he got his deal, hasn't really done anything for them. Uh, I still 
think if he can be healthy, he can produce for them. But, you know, his, his health has not been something that's been beneficial to him. So getting Hunter Renfro, I think, is another big bat. Uh, he's not a guy that's going to hit for a lot of average or anything like that. But he is a guy that, you know, if you make a mistake, he can crush it over the fence. And that's kind of what baseball is all about. You know, it's the home runs and really little little else. So his pairing with the rest of the Angels, you know, roster, I think it's fine. Uh, I, I still think the Angels are a decent team. I think they get a lot of hype and publicity because they're in the L.A. market now. But it's it's a fine move. I'm not – for me, it doesn't move the needle – one way or the other for the Angels, you know, being a team that is going to be competing for the division title or, or for the playoff side. They still, in my opinion, they still have some moves that they need to make in order to to better themselves. Yeah, I definitely think that that definitely was a move that could benefit them um, moving along to the future but as of this moment there are definitely some flaws and some defects in that organization that need to be addressed i do think that there is a yearning and there definitely is an inclination to fix up that team i definitely think that there is some potential for improvements and that i definitely we definitely will see some angels and Although they might have not have they might not have um, performed as they wanted to in the past couple of years, considering that their pitching staff has not been too promising, they haven't had too much aside from Otani. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been much from there. They got rid of Syndergaard, went to Philly. Um, aside from Otani, um, don't really have much pitching wise. Um, sure, you have. They did side Tyler Anderson. That is a definitely a big move for them. They have right Reed Detmers. They have Jose Quijada. They have Patrick Sandoval, Chase Silseth, and Jose Suarez. So evidently there isn't too much promise concerning their starting rotation and bullpen. But otherwise, I'm looking at an Angels lineup that has power. Logan O'Hop is up and coming. They got him from Philly. And I definitely think he can make an impact sooner than later. Their infield is looking like Anthony Rendon, Gio Rochella, if they decide to move him along at short. (laughs) Jared Walsh, if he can start hitting, if he can recall that 2020 Jared Wall-esque, then I definitely think he can make an impact. And outfield, again, Trout, Taylor Ward, Hunter Renfro, Joe Adele, and Mickey Moniak. This lineup is looking to make an impact. And, Chris, now it's time to, again, give us our listeners an update. Aaron Judge heads to San Francisco. Reportedly, this conference with the San Francisco Giants was quite successful. It seems that Judge was pleased with the San Francisco organization and what they offered. They did not offer a verbal contract. Nothing was confirmed. But 
it seems that the according to Bleacher Report, what we're reading right now, Aaron Judge and the Giants have multiple very productive meetings yesterday, according to John Marazzi over at MLB Network. So it seems that it will all come down to San Francisco and New York. Obviously, Judge turned down a 210-something round there in the 210s. Uh, he turned down a $210 million contract with Dodgers. I think we also need Chris, to back up and just point out that not where only did the, is number the Giants have something. productive meetings, they allegedly put him in contact with Steph Curry um, with the hopes that the Steph Curry could help convince him. So, I mean, they San Francisco really, really wants Aaron Judge in there. I mean, it's – yeah, it, I, I, I think you are on something. I think it does come down to to the Yankees and to San Francisco right now as the top two guys. I would say there's probably a dark horse team out there that we're not talking about, and that's probably because there's not really been anybody mentioned that could be it. But, I mean, team the big spending teams like, you know, Chicago Cubs or a – um, Dodgers team, they could decide to throw a bunch of money at him and at him. I mean, there's, I don't think there's a team out there that would say, yeah, we don't need an Aaron Judge on our roster. You know, we're good. Um, I think every team would love to have Aaron Judge. It's just a matter of do they want to tie up a lot of their money in, in, in his contract or anything like that. But um, yeah, I'm excited to see where he goes. I'm a fan of Aaron Judge. I got to see him in person when he was in AAA, and the uh, AAA team came to Indianapolis and played the uh, Indianapolis Indians here at, at Victory Field in the playoffs. And, I mean, I know he was 6'7". I knew that going into the game. I know 6'7 is a giant. But just to see him in person, like, he is a massive human being. Like, you, you can't quite – capture that in on a tv or unless you're sitting close to the to the field um at a ballpark he's just a very big human being and there's so much power in his swing and everything like it's just effortless to watch him um hit hit baseballs and everything like that so i'm a fan of aaron judge and i'm excited to see where he goes and see what he can do for an encore Yeah, it's definitely going to be a interesting and. So I do have to ask you if if, um, if he leaves and the Yankees, what is the Yankees' plan then going forward? I feel like they've kind of built or have been building their team around him and Stanton, and maybe more so him rather than Stanton. So if, if Judge is gone, I guess what is what's the Yankees' plan? So I do agree with you in the sense that the Yankees do construct their team off of Aaron Judge, assuming that he will make a return to Yankee Stadium. But barring the leave of Judge, I think that there is a few ways to compensate for his loss. I do think that if the Yankees will lose out on Judge, I do think that there is room to splurge on other free agents such as the big shortstop market that is definitely an option to turn to listen 
you got Carlos Correa, Xander Borgards, Dansby Swanson, and Trey Turner. Those are big four names who are definitely names to contemplate. And definitely, if Judge will leave, I think that's definitely a second alternative to turn to. And aside from that, I think the Yankees will definitely turn to that outfield market. Although it may be minimal this year, minimal to Brandon Nimmo. And I think that Brandon Nimmo could, the Yankees should really consider Brandon Nimmo as a target. And if they're considering bringing me back Ben Tendi, which I definitely think that's part of Cashman's bucket list, I think Brandon Nimmo would be on, will be their next target. And pitching wise, I th- also think that they could um, potentially reel in one of those big pitching free agents. They can get Carlos Rodon. Maybe they can go for DeGrom. Obviously, be it would be in the 30 to $40 million AAV range, which is might be over the Yankees' threshold. But other than that, I do think that there is some alternatives if Judge would depart from New York. Um, Chris, I want to hear your take on this. Maybe if you agree, if you have another... Yeah, I um, think you, you mentioned a couple of names in there that I think just from a like storyline perspective would be pretty cool um, and bring back that whole um, evil empire narrative. And that would be if the Yankees, you know, if they do lose out on Judge, going you know going under that kind of like umbrella and, and storyline. Um, I think if they were to go out and get Xander Bogarts from their rival the Boston Red Sox to play shortstop for him and then go out and get DeGrom and Nimmo from um you know from their crosstown rival in the Mets I think that'd be wonderful because you would have so much national attention about how the Yankees are just going out and taking top players from from their rival teams and you know the evil empire would be back and in full force and all of all of its glory and everything like that I think that would be kind of cool to see just from you know, storyline perspective and everything like that. I think you are right. I think if, if they do lose out on judge, I think you would see them allocate their money to shoring up some more of the holes uh, on their roster. I don't know if they would necessarily go after some of the, the big names at positions like Carlos Rodon and, and DeGrom or anything like that. I, I could see him going out and getting it like at least one, um, but I, I think I could see Cashman maybe being a little bit more financially frugal and deciding, okay, I was about to put 200 plus million dollars into one player. Um, I think I'll take that money and instead I'll invest it over like several positions. So I'll go out and get, um, you know, Dansby Swanson, who, like you said, is one of the top four shortstops out there, but he's probably not going to be the guy that costs the mo- the most money from from that group of the top four shortstops. So um, I could see him going out against somebody like that that you know could sign to a very nice deal for Swanson. Um, you know, not anything that would break the bank or anything like that, but they'd still obviously have plenty of money to go out and get um, you know another outfielder or another starting pitcher or maybe some more bullpen help. Um, you know, basically just kind of fill out more than needs with some really high-end players, but not necessarily like the, the cream of the crop type of guys or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, and listen, 
when it comes down to it, I think free agency, especially for those teams in contention, those teams that feel they can compete for the big title, I think when free agency comes around, owners, um, owners like Steve Cohn and GMs like Billy Epler and Brian Cashman, I'm specifically um, mm-hmm. diving on the, um, I'm specifically zooming in on those New York franchises yeah. because they are the teams that spend the most money. Obviously, um, LA and Chicago, as you mentioned, a few other teams, but essentially those are the teams that are compelled towards those big free agents. And while you mentioned that if judge will leave, you said that, like you said, it could get too expensive for for New York. Maybe New York would maybe just option to those one or two big free agents, maybe going out and getting Trey Turner and Jacob DeGrom is too much. Um, So I definitely agree with that in some sense. I'm still going to hold my grounds and I still feel that the Yankees are a offensive and they do attack when it comes to free agency. And I definitely think that they are aggressive. Brian Cashman is generally praised for his aggressiveness in when it comes to free agency, uh, despite last year's um, lull when he pretty much did nothing in the offseason. But I do think that the Yankees and Mets have this urge to just fill out their lineup with guys who just love eating contracts and love getting that dollar bills. So this for agency is going to be a fun time. I definitely think that this could be one of the largest shell shell outs of money. And I think this could be the largest contract year. And I do think that Jacob deGrom and Aaron judge may break the AAV, um, which belongs to the one and only Max Scherzer. And I was actually listening this last night. I was listening to the John Heyman and Joel Sherman show, and they brought on Max Scherzer, and he was discussing what free agency is like. Chris, I don't know if you, uh, I don't know if you listen to this, um, if listen to this podcast. I actually rec- recommend this podcast. It's pretty, pretty informative. Um, so, yep. Chris, just to give you some background. So, um, I'm guessing you know who John Heyman and Joel Sherman are. So they, the podcast, whatever. So they brought in Scherzer, asked him a couple questions about free agency. One thing that kind of stood out to me is that Scherzer seemed kind of calm when it came to free agency. He felt that when teams draw interest in you, it's kind of just like you feel that you've worked hard enough that these teams are compelled to you and you know what talents you possess and you know what you can contribute to each team but it's just the fact of watching these teams battle that out and he, he says that it's kind of fun because when he's he said initially when he was drawn to new york he was kind of indecisive and he was kind of naive and didn't really have um didn't really have much knowledge about new york he just assumed that he had he was getting the sense that New York wasn't the greatest place for him, but when he met Steve Cohn and when he met Billy Epler and Buck Showalter, he just he was embraced immediately and he felt that this was for him and he was ready for New York. So I'm thinking that maybe Aaron Judge 
will come back to New York. Like I mm-hmm. said before, I do think that he thrives in New York with that short porch, although he's a righty. He is known for hitting opposite field home runs. But, Chris, before we um, transition to this Hall of Fame talk, let's make one complete prediction and one full prediction. Let's pick one free agent who we think will either go to the Yankees or Mariners. I'm taking Judge. If not Judge, I'm thinking Carlos Correa. Chris, and for the Mariners, Ooh, I believe are that you, are you gonna be okay Torres will be the Seattle Mariners second baseman at the end of this free agency. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Um, so, firstly, I think yeah, that Labor Torres I mean, should be moved. I liked but, um, Labor Torres when Chris, he first I'm sure came you up. I love that. Um, you know, the last couple seasons kind of been a little concerning for me. Um, just his, his power has really diminished, um, but he's still been a pretty good player. Uh, you know, he, he just – I'm not sure exactly what is going on offensively with him. I don't know if it's pressure from, from York, uh, the fact that he tried shortstop and, you know, wasn't successful at it, and so they moved him back to, to second base. I don't know if that's necessarily, like, weighing on him, and maybe it's offseason he's just kind of, like, you know, come to terms and, like, okay – I thought I could be a shortstop. I I can't, so I'll just go out and be the best second baseman that I, be the second the best second baseman that I can. Uh, you know, um, but yeah, really, I, I would be totally fine with him coming to play second base, playing for the Seattle Mariners. I mean, he did hit two fifty seven last year, and I believe he hit better on the on the road than he did uh, at Yankee Stadium in, in terms of like an average. Uh, so, you know, that does give me some hope in there. Yeah. Um, it's just, again, like considering his first two years, he was hitting 270 or higher, and then he's been below two, 260 the last last three seasons. You know, it's that it, it's just kind of a bit per, perplexing, and especially since, you know, outside of his 24 hormones last year, the two years before that in 2020 and 2020, 21 he was at single digit home runs so you know it just i don't know what happened on that on that front but i i would be on board with him i know there would be a lot of mariners fans that would also be on board with him he would probably be the best second baseman the mariners have had since brett boom uh, <laughs> um i mean and that's that's going back you know so yeah i would be on board with glaber uh glaber joining there Personally, I would love the Mariners to go out and get Carlos Rodon. Uh, I think he would be a fantastic addition to the bullpen, or I'm sorry, to this to the rotation. Um, and I think with him being in there and having Luis Castillo, I think you could legitimately put him as maybe the number two or number three starter in the rotation. Yeah. Um, Oh, I know. And I mean, some would That's probably say, scary. like, well, you have a great staff. Why are you adding that is so another, scary. You know, another ace to it? Why not? Like, if you got a strength, why not necessarily go out and make it that much stronger? Um, you know, like I said, there is some injury concern with it, with his shoulder and everything like that. I, I'm not too concerned with it. And like I said, if you're going to have him as like maybe your number three starter, he's probably missing out on, on a few starts here and there. And the fact that the Mariners do have a pretty deep bullpen. And 
you know, could probably have some guys kind of help him, you know, take some innings from him to help manage his workload a little bit as well. I think that would be just fantastic. I, I'm all on board with that move. I, I know it's probably realistically not going to happen, but, you know, that is, um, you know, Santa Claus, if you're listening to this, that's that's what I want for Christmas. <laughs> so just kind of what I think you said, that would be insane if your Mariners can secure Carlos Rodon. Do you have one Cy Young arm in the one and only Robbie mm-hmm. Ray, along with two potential Cy Young arms, Luis Castillo? Oh, yeah. And Carlos Rodon? That is scary. Along with Gilbert, Marco Gonzalez. Yes, that, yes. And I mean, and if you is, and if you played out in, into the playoffs, that is the, best you know, the Mariners only need to have Rodon, Castillo, Gilbert, um, and Ray be, you know, or even even maybe Kirby. Uh, we forget about George Kirby. Um, have him be like your four starting pitchers, and the rest of the rotation can just be in the pen, and you can ask Castillo and Rodon to just say, hey, just. Give max effort on every pitch for as long as you can go because we've got just a bunch of nasty guys that can come out of the pen and just carry that over and don't worry about it because your stuff is basically unhittable and we've got other guys that can come out and make it unhittable. So, yeah, just just let it fly. Um, so yeah. I just pulled up. The Glaver Torres um, splits that you were talking about before. So on the road, Mr. Torres hit two sixty-eight, as opposed to at home where he only hit two forty-four. But one thing to note is that he did have a higher OPS at home. He did um, home run wise. It was pretty close he only hit a total of 17 sorry it wasn't close at all 17 home runs at home seven home runs away but he did have that higher average away so he does have the tendency to play better when he's not at home which is kind of surprising being that the Yankees have that short approach which you should take advantage of so now that we're past this Yankees and Mariners talk. Let's talk some more general topic, which, again, despite the free agency, this is the most argued topic, and many people love to speculate on this, the 2023 Hall of Fame BBWAA ballot. Let's take a look at this, Chris. Let's break this down. Starting off, again, just to give you guys some background and just to – update you guys and give you guys some sense of the Hall of Fame ballots and how they work. If you know, and if you know how they work, then good for you. So just to give you some background, you need players must appear on 75% of all ballots to gain induction. Starting off, as of now, as of where we're standing right now, there is no current player who has obtained 75% of the ballot. Scott Rowland is first 63%. Todd Helton, 52, Billy Wagner, 51, Andrew Jones, 51, etc. 
So let's break this down. Beginning with Scott Rowland, this is Scott's sixth time on the Hall of Fame. As of now, he has 63.2% of ballots. Career, 70.1 war. He spent the bulk of his career with several teams, mainly Philly. Then he headed to St. Louis, finished off, sprinkled in some Toronto time, and finished off with Cincinnati. In terms of accolades, he won Rookie of the Year with Philly 1997. That year, he hit 21 homers, hit 283, 377, 469 with an 846 OPS. Following that, he acquired a gold glove multiple times. He is a seven-time All-Star, 26, 2006 World Series champ with them Cardinals. I do think that Scott Rollin has a very fair chance to make that Hall of Fame. I think that war is something to keep your eye on because war, especially now with the 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 new kind of trend of MLB statistical and everything kind of alludes and everything kind of conforms with this updated way in which we kind of translate and we kind of take how we how we view baseball players it kind of all comes down call it kind of all boils down to analytics so analytically scott rollin mm-hmm. is third in terms of war alex rodriguez is 117 then comes beltron with 70.1 and rollin would be 70.1 so i think that rollin does have a fair chance. Chris, I want to hear you know, your take. I, I will say um, this as a, uh, as a is native Indiana thing? Hoosier and knowing that Scott Rowland is from Jasper, Indiana, which is a small town. Uh, I believe in Southern Indiana, like down near like Evansville, like close to Kentucky and everything. If, um, if uh, my, my geography is right. Um, I got to love some me. Got to love me some Scott Rowland there. Um, he was a great third baseman when he played. I very much enjoyed him. I mean, he was, you know, kind of considered like either the premier defensive third baseman or one of the premier defensive third basemen um, when he was playing in, in his career and everything. I mean, he's a seven-time All-Star, eight-time Gold Glover. Like you said, he won the World Series with the Cardinals. He, he won Rookie of the Year. I think he gets in. He was never, in my opinion, never a, a first ballot Hall of Famer, but he was somebody that I felt – after enough years kind of on it, on the ballot, you know, he would eventually get selected. Um, so there's still time for him. You, like you said, he's been on it for, for six years now. Um, we do, we probably should note that after 10 years of being on, on the ballot or 10 times being on the ballot, uh, you don't get in that you get dropped. So he is getting a little bit closer towards that possibility of happening. But I, I do think he gets in at some point. I mean, he's, you know, I think when you kind of mentioned to, um, to fans who who watched him play or watching baseball play, like he's definitely someone that showed, like, yeah, he's he's a guy that should be in the Hall of Fame. Is he, you know, top five? Maybe not. I, I don't know, you know. Um, but he's definitely somebody that is probably going to show up on a lot of people's like all time, you know, great players list or anything like that. Next up, we got Todd Helton. Happens to be Helton is my favorite on this ballot. 
except for maybe Andrew Jones. But Todd Helton, what a career this kid had. Todd Helton, this will be his fifth time on the ballot. He has 52% of ballot votes as of as we speak. Career stats, if you take a look at his accolades, five-time All-Star, three-time Gold Glove, four-time Silver Slugger. The accolades are definitely a presence. 61.8 war, 316 career average, 369 home runs. He led the league in hits and stints and doubles in 2000 with Colorado. He spent all 17 years with that over there in Colorado. He's never won MVP. He landed second in Rookie of the Year in 2000, 1998 behind... Trying to pull it up right now. Um, behind in 1998, he landed second in Rookie of the Year. Behind Kerry Wood, Kerry Wood from Chicago won Rookie of the Year in 1998. So I definitely think that Todd Elton. I do think that he does have that chance to make the Hall of Fame. I I don't see. Any reason for him not to make the Hall of Fame? Career 316, as I mentioned, 414 OPB, 539 slugging, 953 OPS. He nearly had a 1000 OPS, and I do think there's no reason for not to induct him to the Hall of Fame. And he is definitely a favorite. And I, I agree. I, I mean, I, I absolutely agree. I created he, Hall of Fame. You know, he, he would be won a batting title as, as well. Um, you mentioned a bunch of his other accolades. He's, you know, he was a really good first baseman. You know, I, I the one thing I dislike about the Hall of Fame voting is how everyone views the stats that players put up in Colorado and kind of puts like an asterisk next to him and say like, oh, they did so well because they played in Colorado where it's very hitter friendly. Like I, I get it. I, I understand it. The thin air, the mountain air, you see guys just put up some great numbers up there. I understand it. But the fact is you still have to put the bat on the ball. And as we're seeing in modern baseball, where there, it's all about, you know, three true outcomes of walk, strikeout, or home run, it's very hard to, you know, just hit the ball and put it in play without having it go over the fence or, you know, just hitting a double or a single or anything like that. Like, it's very hard to hit a baseball. So the fact that he has a batting title to his name, he has four, you know, four silver sluggers. He was named an all-star five times. And like you said, he's a career 316 hitter. I mean, career 316 hitter. That's that's got to count for something. I mean, I, I don't care where you're playing. If you're hitting that well, like that's something to be commended. And I, I'm fully in agreement with you. He should be in the Hall of Fame. And I don't like the fact that because he played in Colorado, that kind of gets held against him. Like the guy was great. Just put him in there. Don't worry about where he was playing. And listen, if, yeah. if you play for the Yankees, <laughs> right. there's, absolutely. There's and you, I mean, no you mentioned earlier, really, Yankee Stadium has right that now. short porch. Nobody hears <laughs> about. I don't hear anybody complain saying, "Well, Aaron Judge hit so many home runs." Well, yeah, because he got that short porch. Like you know, if he was playing in playing in a, a T-Mobile Park, like it wouldn't be so much or anything like that. You only hear about that with Colorado. Like it, it you know, it's just mind 
boggling to why some parks and stadiums and organizations, certain things get held against them and other ones like, oh, it's okay. Yeah, I do. I, I do feel like there is some like sense of like, hey, this guy played for one of those low level organizations that we don't feel is adequate to make a Hall of Fame. But I do think that that kind of has to change. That honestly, just honestly, start seeing more of these guys. Um, next up, I I'm not even going to explain i don't think there's needed explanation for why this guy is in the hall of fame he may not may not be speculated too much billy wagner why is this guy not in the hall of fame spent his career with houston philly the mets and ultimately boston and atlanta this guy a south paul lefty seven-time all-star career 2.3 run ERA. That is incredible from a reliever to maintain that status of consistency out of the bullpen. And this guy was a fear factor. And he was a force out of the bullpen. Consistently spent 16 years. Again, seven-time All-Star. And I definitely think he sh- definitely should be the Hall of Fame. Like a lot of these guys, Wagner, this is eighth time in on the ballot. And Obviously, last year, last year, only four guys, not four guys, last year, a lot of these guys were on the ballot now, just got kicked out. Rollins didn't make it. Helton didn't make it. Billy Wagner didn't make it. Wagner landed seventh. Helton landed sixth. Rollins was fourth. It was Ortiz, Bonds, Clemens, Rollins, Schilling, Helton, Wagner, Jones, Sheffield. So... Only those, Rollin just, he didn't make it. And Ortiz was the only one to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. And obviously Bonds will not make it. Roger Clemens will not make it. Kurt Schilling is unable to be on the ballot anymore. But I think that those guys, those big guys, Ortiz kind of hogged all of the votes last year. So he had 77% of the votes. So I think now these lesser-known guy, uh, not actually not lesser-known guys. I think those guys who are on a lower level compared to David Ortiz, I think they now have their shot to make the Hall of Fame because everyone knows that they're privy to making the Hall of Fame, but now it's their time. You got me, Again, man. Chris, um, Billy Wagner. I don't know. You know, he's Why is he not you know, 27.7 war, a career 2.31 ERA, 422 saves, he pitched 903 innings. He struck out 1,196 batters, a career .998 whip. Um, seven-time All-Star. He was even the, and I love this, I love the name of this award, even the Rolades Reliever of the Year. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, he was great when he was pitching. <laughs> out there. I love you know, he, he was one of the premier closers in his day and age. He was a part of that Houston team, I believe, that wound up going to the World Series. Um, you know, obviously, um, you know, he played with Philly. 
I don't think he was on any of those Philly teams that made it to the World Series or anything like that. But yeah, yeah. Um, and I think was he part? Yeah, I, I can't remember if he was part of the Mets yeah. team that randomly made it that that one year, not the one with like Matt Harvey or anything like that, but a little bit earlier in the in the two thousands. But um, thousands that up. I'm not sure. Okay. I know the Yankees. Yeah, that subway series between was, the Yankees was and Yankees Mets. Phillies, but I'm not sure. Right, that was that was early, that was early 2000s. So I'm, I just want to look. Um, let's see. Do you? When was the last time? Did they? Do you know if they played in their early 2010? That was the 2000. Yeah, Mets Yankees played in the year 2000. Um. Yeah, so no, he was Billy Wagner was still with Houston at that time, so he wasn't a part of it. But uh, regardless, I mean, the guy was great. I I, I do agree with you. I, I think Ortiz's name being on the ballot, I think, took some some hype and some attention away from some of the other guys that maybe were kind of overlooked. I think you also had the fact that you had Bonds and you had Schilling and you had Clemens and you had some guys that, you know, if they had not you know, done steroids or allegedly uh, done steroids, I think would have, you know, been in the Hall of Fame. But the fact that they did, that took away, you know, that really was kind of a, a hot topic on, you know, are the baseball writers going to eventually cave and say, hey, it's okay, we're going to allow players who were, you know, uh, designated to have used steroids, we'll let them in anyways, or are we going to stand firm and say, Hey, you use steroids. So you're, you're done. In our opinion, you're not going to go in. People will eventually forget about you. Um, you know, I think all that kind of took away some, some attention from some of these other guys, like we're talking about, like Scott Rowland, Billy Wagner, Todd Helton, um, you know, guys that were really good in the career. Maybe, maybe when you look at them, they're not first ballot hall of famers, but you know, when you think about it, like, and you look at their stats and what they did, it's like, yeah, that dude should should be up there in you know in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he's he was a great pitcher. Yeah. Um just to add a little bit of what you said. Um referring back to what I said about Ortiz, so I do think that Ortiz kind of mitigated these guys' accomplishments when he was in the battle last year. Like, again, what we're saying, Billy Wagner, all these guys, Billy Wagner ranked sixth all-time on save list. Mar- went Rivera, Trevor Hoffman, Lee Smith, Rodriguez, John Franco, and then Billy Wagner with 422. Mo was 230, yeah. 230 more saves than Billy Wagner. But again, he ranked sixth all-time ahead of big names like K- Craig Kimbrell, Kelly Jansen, Dennis Eckersley, Joan Nathan, Jonathan Papelbon, Jeff Friedon, etc. Again, now is there now they have this opportunity to take advantage and hopefully be inducted into the Hall of Fame. But like like we mentioned before, these are guys. If you take a look at take a look at their if you take a look at them statistically, and if you just see what they've accomplished and what they've achieved in their careers as a whole i think that it definitely sums up and is definitely equal and they are definitely adequate to 
be inducted into this year's Hall of Fame. Our next contestant, we're only going to have time to discuss a few more. But let's go on to Andrew Jones. Andrew Jones, again, his sixth time on the ballot. Arguably one of the best center fielders to ever play the game. Five-time All-Star, 10-time Gold Glove, won a Silver Slugger. Offensively, this guy was a power hitter, but I don't think Andrew Jones was ever really considered a bat-on-ball type of guy. I don't think it was a contact hitter. I think he was power-oriented. He had 434 career home runs, led the league with 51 home runs in Atlanta in 2005. Again, five-time All-Star, 10-time Gold Glove. There is no basis to say that he shouldn't mm-hmm. make the Hall of Fame. Like I said before, these guys, statistically, they, they're they astounding. They're outstanding. These guys, look, look at Andrew Jones. Look, look look at him statistically. Career, again, 434 home run hitter, 254, 337, 486 slugging, 823 OPS. He had a 62.7 war. And for a guy, especially defensively, defensively center field is very critical. I think that center field is kind of overlooked at some points because there, you have a lot of ground to cover because right field and left field. And center field kind of has to mix and it kind of has to shift in between. He kind of has to jump from that left center, right center vicinity if that left and or right fielder can't reach there. So I definitely think that center field, and for Andrew Jones, I do think that he should make the Hall of Fame. But again, not all these guys. At the end of the ballot and at the end of the voting, I don't think all these players that we're discussing will be able to make and will be inducted to the Hall of Fame. But I just, from our, from where we stand right now, Chris, I do think that all these guys are valuable enough and what they accumulated over the career, I definitely think that they're worthy of Hall yeah, of Fame. Yeah, and I think caliber, part of the reason probably why Andrew Jones gets overlooked is because his, of his defensive capabilities and his prowess out there. Like the 10-time Gold Glove winner, I mean, that just screams like a defensive stud out there. And I think when you initially think about Andrew Jones, the 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 thoughts and images that come to your head are his amazing plays in – Center field. Unlike if you were to think of somebody like Ken Griffey Jr., where you automatically picture his sweet left-handed picturesque swing and just crushing balls. So, like, I think that is kind of why, you know, his his Andrew Jones's Hall of Fame candidacy hasn't quite been in. Because I mean, if you look at at his numbers, I mean, he after his age twenty season, he hit from which was uh, nineteen ninety seven. So from nineteen ninety eight. Until 2007, he hit 20 home runs or more, actually 25 home runs or more, um, and highlighted in that 2005 where he hit 51. I mean, he was a guy that was very much a home run hitter. I, I think, you know, he was definitely never somebody that was going to hit for a good average. His highest average was 303 in a season, and that was 2000. Um, everything else you know, it was around 260 to 270 kind of during once he found his footing again after nine after 1997. Um, and I think another reason why 
he might be overlooked is after 2006, which was his second to last season in Atlanta, his offensive skills just nosedived. I mean, he had 2007 where he hit 26 home runs, drove in 94, but he only hit 222. And he wouldn't surpass that until he, until 2010 when he hit 230 with the White Sox. And then he beat that in 2011 when he hit 247 with the Yankees. But I mean, he just, after that 2007, he never hit 20 home runs or more. I mean, the highest, the closest he got was when he was with the White Sox when he hit 19, but he, his offensive skills just fell off. And I think his defense kind of took a nosedive as well too. So he just didn't have that kind of longevity. I mean, it was almost like he came in and as a 19 year old in 1996, found his footing, you know, by the age of 20 and then just shot up, shot off the charts and then kind of crash landed after that, like burnt out. And that was it. So I think those are probably two things that are working against him. But again, looking at what he did, I don't see why he shouldn't be in there. I mean, like you said, he hit 434 home runs, 10 time gold Glover was a five time all-star um, he got a, you know, he, he got the Braves to be a perennial contender and everything. So, um, yeah. I do think that in the sense that he did kind of derail in the last couple of years of his career, I think that is concerning and that kind of, mitigates his case to make the Hall of Fame that he dropped from hitting a 260 consistently hitting 260 consistently and from 2007 to 2012 in that five year span he hit 222 158 214 230 247 197 final two years with the Yankees but overall like we mentioned the accolades are clearly a presence and he definitely has constructed a case to make the Hall of Fame. But it will all come down to these representatives. And it will all come down to what what is believed and what the consensus is for who should is deserving of being the Hall of Fame. So mm-hmm. before we wrap up, I wanted to discuss Gary Sheffield. But I think we're kind of running out of time here. I wanted to discuss probably the most debated and the most controversial <laughs> Hall of Fame case you will ever encounter, okay. aside from Barry Bonds and Sammy Sosa, Alec Rodriguez. <laughs> Let's get into this. Before we wrap up, A-Rod, 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 117.6 war, 3,115 hits, 696 home runs, three-time MVP, 14-time All-Star, 2009 World Series champion, two-time Gold Glove, 10-time Silver Slugger, batting title, three-time <laughs> Player of the Year. Chris? I think, unfortunately, he's going to fall in the same what boat are we doing as Barry and Roger Clemens um, and, and not get in. Even though you, you look at their stats and – they were, you know, Hall of Fame worthy players. Um, but I think the fact that 
A-Rod admitted to taking steroids um, during a three-year period back in 2001 when he was playing with the Rangers, you know, when he made that that um, kind of money grab and everything like that. Um, I think that's going to do what? I think that's what set him off. That's kind of what set him off. I think that he was intrigued. I think that he was intrigued and he was kind of like, he was kind of um, concerned and he was kind of like scared that, hey, I'm heading to a new team, heading to Texas, mm-hmm. and they're expecting me to yeah. do big stuff for them. I mean, so but I need to, I, I need to I, there are, my game. I'm, I may be in the minority in terms of the Mariners fans that don't hate Alex Rodriguez. I mean, I loved watching him play in Seattle. Uh, you know, that – that lineup of Edgar, Alex, and Griffey was dangerous and lethal. Um, he, I very much liked watching him play. I thought he was one of the best shortstops to play during his era. Uh, I, I know Derek Jeter got to play short in, in New York. I, I do think that was probably a mistake and that Alex should have played it short and you move Derek to second or to third base because A-Rod was a better defender. But... At the same time, they they made it work. They won the World Series in 2009. Uh, he he finally Arod was kind of able to exercise the demons of not being clutch. Um, but you know, he he decided to go and leave Seattle and get paid. And ultimately, I can't fault any player for wanting to do that because to to be a professional athlete, you have to sacrifice and give up a lot so yeah might as well go get as much money as you can make um and you know better good you know good for you so i don't have a problem with what he did i think he from if you take away the name on it and you just look at the stats i think everyone would say yeah he's a hall of famer um but unfortunately he's just admitted steroid user and i think that's going to cost him the hall of fame Yes, I do think that the consensus here is that his use of steroids kind of retracts his case to make the Hall of Fame. And evidently, if you go by his stats and what he did over his 22-year mm-hmm. career, it's a clear Hall of Fame caliber career. And I think from that perspective, he is a Hall of Famer. But then you have to include the fact that he infused himself with liquids that are violated, that are violations towards the MLB regulations. So that kind of retracts his case. But overall, Alex Rodriguez is a Hall of Famer, as we know. Yeah. And I think we co- we accomplished a lot in this podcast, Chris. I'm kind of happy with how this panned out. Um. As, as we always like to say here, by the time we come back next week and what I said, Chris, mm-hmm. in the past couple of weeks, by the time we come back next Wednesday, I keep saying this, but nothing's ever happening. But <laughs> by the time we come back next week and hopefully by the time next Wednesday or whenever we decide to um, record the next podcast, we will have some movement and it seems like things are starting to heat up. Um, peace out, guys. Chris, again, it's been a pleasure to have you. And we're excited to boost. Our yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to uh, looking forward to the next Matt time. And, and uh, 
Yeah, it's I think after you. Thanksgiving, I think we should see some movement uh, with free agents, and it'll be fun to talk about those. That is for sure. Have a great week, and see you guys next week.